0: Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiagra Prem Singh. This is also featured on the My Recovery Journey, which can be viewed on the YouTube channel. That's youtube.com backslash Tiagaprem Singh every wednesday morning 10 a.m pacific time and you can also watch it on the instagram platform if that serves you uh, better i definitely recommend viewing on the youtube your comments are going to pop up you can engage in questions and conversation uh, but there's also the option to leave comments and questions on the instagram if you're listening to this in the audio version, remember, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Wednesdays, you can join in and be a part of the conversation. Um, if that's not an option for you, please do rate and review the podcast, especially if you love it. Share it with your friends. Uh, good morning to Blanca Castillo. She's watching on the YouTube channel this morning from California. Thanks for being here, sister. Sat uh, Kal, and Satnam to you um yeah so that's kind of what we've been doing and we've been doing this for a few weeks now maybe over just over a month and it's going really well Um, I'm really honored to be able to share in this way and um, I, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am if you haven't seen the first five episodes of my recovery journey go back and check them out you can also listen to them on on the podcast platform where I tell some of my story and uh, how I got to where I am today, and I, I really appreciate all of the positive, loving uh, feedback I've received around that work, and that's going to become a book this year. Just working on the book, I've mapped everything out, started writing, uh, so I have that to uh, look forward to. We can we can go through the process together, and I found these my recovery journey uh, sessions to be super effective. I wanna give a shout out to our sponsors. First of all, I'd like to thank Minds Dye. If you're watching right now, you can see I'm wearing this super dope, uh, custom hand-dyed T-shirt, and she makes the stars or turbans for me. She makes T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, bed sheets. She's doing a backdrop for us where we teach the yoga upstairs in the upstairs studio. She's doing a backdrop for us. She's really amazing. I highly recommend checking her out. You just go to Minds Die on Instagram or you can go to the Etsy store. She can do anything custom, kimonos, bed sets, pillowcases, whatever you like, and she does a really great job. Right? This looks pretty great. Let me know in the comments if you're uh if you're feeling the die. Um, and I know some of y'all have connected to her cause she's always, she says it really makes her happy when people connect and get something done. And, uh, y- and y'all let her know that you came through Tiag Prem Singh. So really thankful for that and really thankful for her support. Um, so thank you so much. Also want to thank Seed Apparel. Seed's been a sponsor for some years now. They make sustainable hemp clothing, super stylish, and, uh, I'm honored to have them as a sponsor. And... Yes, she is a lovely, uh, lovely human. Thanks. I'm glad you're feeling the dye. Um, she is a lovely human. She's really beautiful. Nice to see you on here, Jacob. Heads up, anybody who's watching on Instagram, check it out on the YouTube channel and you get it in high def. And you can also leave comments there, but whatever works for you. So, thank you back to Seed Apparel. Thanks, Seed, for sponsoring us. They make really cool pants. They're great for active wear, whatever you do rock climbing, skateboarding, hanging around town, doing yoga, stretching, doing HIIT exercises, whatever it is you do. Do check them out at theseedstore.ca or you can find them uh, at uh, I Am Seed on Instagram and i'm really excited to say that, that we have a new sponsor this week we should like you know p- play some like cheering music is this cheering let's see <laughs> no that's laughing let's do it again there we go there's the cheering we got a new uh, sponsor uh, they're called chakti jewelry and i, I i'm not going to use those sound effects too much they're pretty funny though uh if you're into the sound effects and you're watching on youtube let me know or if you think i should pass on the sound effects let me know i do think it's great that i can play the intro music to the podcast on there right pretty sweet we can just pop it on and uh You know, take this seva, this work that we do to the next level and uh, inspire as many people as we can and, and just, you know, have fun with it. So our new sponsor is Shakti Jewelry, S-H-A-K-T-I. Everything is handmade, super beautiful stuff. Um, I think the website is. I know the website is Iloveshakti.com. Uh, you can also follow Shakti Jewelry on Instagram. I was looking through some of her stuff. She's a person that we've known for a while within the similar circles as us. And there was a, a Gayatri mantra on a, on a piece of gold coin, and I said that's really cool. I wonder if she would make something that's meaningful for me from my spiritual tradition. And she said she'd be really happy to, and she'd be happy to sponsor the show. So. In the next little while, you'll see uh, she's going to make a kata for me. She's going to make because I love this kata. I talk about it all the time. If you're watching, you can see it now. That says ad such god such habi such a kahosi be such. Uh, you're born infinite. You're infinite your whole life. You're infinite even now, and you will always be infinite. So she said she'd make me a kata. She'd make me a, a coin, and uh, it's really cool that she's making pieces that are really infused with this uh, elevated sound current and they're made with love, and they're handmade, and uh, she she's a, a mother, and a, a yogi, and an inspiring person. So thanks for coming on board and sponsoring the show, and yeah, I'll keep you all posted on uh, her wonderful creations that Shakti Jewelry uh, adds to the show. So those are our sponsors uh, for today. Maybe we could get a kirpan or something, uh, you know, like a engraved they do a lot of engraving and that kind of thing so that's amazing Um, this week on the show what I really want to talk about is in the previous episodes what we did is we talked about how the journey was for me and I didn't really get into too much um, what have been the techniques along this long journey I've been seeking recovery for 20 years of my life and uh, I've had a sustained recovery over the last five years where I've had a lot of mental clarity and the opportunity to do some healing in my life. So I'm really thankful for that. And what I noticed in the previous episode is I shared a lot about my journey, but didn't share so much about um, what have been the things consistently through time that have supported me to keep up and that have uh, given me the strength and the resilience to keep going and to start again. Right, because it's twenty. I'm not twenty years sober. Um, five years, I've been I've been steady. I've had some stumbles a- along the way, but five years of uh, consistent um, cl- mental clarity and recovery work. And now, you know, over the last uh, this last period, um, I've been feeling really clear and really blessed. And um, I, I feel really honored to be able to share what has really worked for me and share the journey so I've shared the journey and today I want to share what's really worked for me and I invite anybody who's watching live if you have any like if you'd like to share what's worked for you or if you'd like to ask any questions or make any comments uh, about that that's amazing and I'd be happy to read them uh, on air on the show so you can drop those in the YouTube comments you can also drop them in the Instagram Instagram comments and I'll read those out all right um okay that's it let's get started here we go so um, first of all w- what worked for me when i was a young person that really helped me uh, waheguru gs welcome well, nice to see you on here um, what really worked for me as a young man is i loved uh, basketball and basketball helped me to stay out of trouble and so I had inspiring coaches, I had inspiring people around me, and I continued to play basketball, even in these recent years of recovery. And the interesting thing is when I was really struggling um, in my later years, I, I didn't play. I stopped playing, I was kind of like, oh, well, I can't play because I'm not in college anymore and I have to get a job and and even when I started practicing Hatha yoga, I didn't play basketball because I thought like, you know, I've got to really work on making my body really flexible and focusing on that and eating light and all of those things and uh, those things are amazing and that's where I, I'm going to go next with the uh, techniques that really supported me in my recovery. But I think I was a little bit confused there. (laughs) You know, it's like, do the things that you love, especially if they're keeping your body strong, and they're keeping your mind clear, and they're creating relationships, and they're inspiring you to uh, show up and go above and beyond the status quo and, and to move pain. And, And I used to do that as a kid, like when I had a really tough time, I would go outside and I would shoot buckets, you know, shoot baskets, uh, work on my handle, um, and just be out there for hours. And it's been really good medicine. So that was sort of my first um, love and my first technique that really kept me, uh, allowed me to move through the emotional uh, cycle and the stress cycle, which was never taught to me. That's a new (laughs) discovery, which is unfortunate. It would have been really cool to know that you know like when you feel stressed that you there's this actual stress cycle that you complete and and uh, if you're not able to complete it you get stuck in it that's where the stress will lead to addiction and will lead to um, chronic uh, symptoms hey jay meds nice to see you on here sister welcome to the conversation um, if anybody has anything they want to share about recovery or about the spiritual practices or the any kind of practice that supports their mental clarity and healing journey, please feel free to leave them in the comments. Um yeah, so then uh, that leads me to uh, yoga. And the interesting thing about yoga, I was practicing meditation. Well, maybe I should say meditation first. Y'all listen to the podcast episodes or the previous episodes when I shared how I came across meditation as a, as a teenager. And I got hurt playing basketball, um, and so I couldn't play. And that led to depression, and that u- led to increased substance abuse when I was a teenager, Uh, Because I couldn't do what I loved and and I wasn't coping and and my parents my coaches the people who are I was around They didn't have the capacity to see like I was depressed. They could just see that something was up with me and I was using drugs And the drug use the thing about addiction is like the addiction is a symptom of something You know, it's Something is causing it. You know, it's not it doesn't just come out of nowhere. And For me, I was looking for an answer to I don't know what to do with myself because I can't do what I love And so just like getting high helped me to block that out essentially And it was around that time when I was in the depression and really feeling down on myself that a teacher in my school who was like an old hippie and, you know, saw that I was really interested in music and a bit eccentric, much more eccentric than my uh, fellow basketball teammates. I was more of the Dennis Rodman of the team. I mean, I didn't play the game like him, but, you know, I'd have different colored hair and I was like the first kid in my school to have earrings and even like stretched ears and just a bit of a character. I continue to be a bit of a character, and I'm I'm thankful for that. But uh, he saw that something in me when I was uh, struggling and introduced me to meditation. And so meditation has been something that's been really beneficial on the recovery journey, and it's come and gone. Um And then the yoga piece, like the actual physical exercises. The interesting thing is, those of you who listened and tuned in to the uh, five-part episodes where I told my story, I talked about going to a a treatment center when I was 20 years old. And that uh, treatment center, when I was 20 years old, it was a Christian-based treatment center where you lived on a farm for a year. And in order to complete it, you had to stay for a year, which is quite intense um, they have a good um, success rate for people who finish finished the program the challenge is many people don't finish the program I think I saw about I can't remember but maybe th- between 30 and 40 people in the year that I was there come through and I think there was four or five that finished so what's that five percent or something like that but of those 5%, maybe they've been successful in their recovery. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think I have, but it took me 20 years to get there. Um, but I did learn a lot from being there. And one of the things was, as I would get up. Or, this is before I knew anything about a yogic posture, like an asana or anything like that. And... Uh, I would wake up in the morning and before I started my day and I would do a shoulder stand. Nobody taught me what a shoulder stand was. Nobody told me how to do it. I would just kind of do some stretches that I knew from basketball. And then I would do this thing where I'd keep my legs up and it felt really great. (laughs) If you don't believe in past lives, like where does that come from? you know, uh, the, an inner, the inner guru guiding me to the yogic practices, I'm not sure, but I didn't read it in a book, I didn't see it in a video, I'd never seen anyone do that before, it just felt good, I would wake up in the morning and do that before I would do my morning chores. We got a comment here on the Instagram from Decor 111 um, I'm an addiction social worker, counselor, and I teach spirituality, the magic, healing, and success rate of people in recovery uh, due to practicing spirituality is phenomenal. I 100% agree with you. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing about your work. That's really amazing to hear. I know I've seen you on uh, some of the programs that I've been putting out. And I really appreciate you being here. And I really appreciate and see you and want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing I think uh, spirituality is so key for an effective recovery, and, and especially because it, the effective recovery piece is not so much just I stopped drinking, but I stopped drinking and got in touch with my purpose and stepped forward uh, to serve and to help other people, and it's a, a spiritual lifestyle that has supported that. So thank you, Decor, for your share, and uh, anybody else who has any shares or comments or questions as we do these live talks, Please feel free uh, to chime in anytime. If you're watching this after the recording or listening to it on the podcast, please feel free to email me with any questions or DM me on social media. Uh, I'm totally game for that. So, yeah, so there's that. And then the thing that I learned big time, um, and I can go back to the yoga thing because that is sort of interwoven through my whole uh, life. Um, The other thing that was really beneficial there was uh, structure. I didn't have a ton of structure um, growing up. And then when I finished school and then really got deep into criminal lifestyle, uh, addict lifestyle, party lifestyle, all of those things, um, that's when uh, I really had no structure. I would sleep weird hours. I'd be up all night. I would eat strange foods. I would you know, I, and it was, it seems like another life, like, like a, I would watch it on a movie or something, it's kind of surreal to reflect on, um, but what happened was, and I hated this at first, by the way, but what it showed me, and this is the best thing that I got from that year of treatment, um, well, actually, I went to the treatment for three months, and then I left, and came back, and had to start again, so I was actually there for 15 months of my life, and uh, the structure part was It's the biggest thing. It's like, I notice when I'm doing well, I have structure in my life. I'm getting up at a certain time. Not rigidity, because at first it is... Actually, this is a good point. Let's cycle back. Rigidity may be necessary to cultivate structure. The idea is not to get stuck there. And what I mean by that is like, for example... um, Now, with my effective recovery and my relationship to Sikhi and Kundalini Yoga, which are two of the um, spiritual practices that have supported me in that recovery, is there, I woke up at the beginning, like I would wake up at 3.30 in the morning with an alarm. And then sometimes it was 4.30 or 5 later on. But I would get up with an alarm and like force myself to get up. And I did it for long enough and I had took breaks and I actually experienced what it was like to not do that when I took breaks and I could feel this uh, depression kind of setting in, you know, not, not on a like, oh, I'm really tired and I'm going to take a break and have a sleep in. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about over a period of time because I'm avoiding pain. And so I'm sleeping more, that kind of a depression. And so, um, yeah, I noticed what it was like to not do my practice. I also noticed this is the polarities. I noticed the rigid, like, got to get that warrior spirit and push yourself, pull yourself out of the hole, basically. And then through uh, consistency in the rigidity and learning the lessons of the apathy, um, I've come to a place where I just wake up in the morning, early uh, in the Amrit Vela before the sun, and I don't set an alarm. I just naturally rise up. And if my body needs to rest, it rests, and I don't make a story about it. But in order to get myself, and I think that's really healthy for your nervous system, uh, but in order to get to that point, I I had to develop structure, and that was what I learned there was like, this is when you wake up, if you want to do something extra, like a yoga practice or a stretch or a pray or whatever, then you've got to set your alarm, get up before the thing, and then you do your chores, and then you do your breakfast, and then you have your class, and then you have your lunch, and then you do your chores, and then you have your dinner, and then you read a book, and then you go to bed every day for a year, and it was really hard at first, because I wasn't used to that, but it really helped me, and it showed me also Um, It showed me how, when I was an athlete, how that really helped me, you know, that this is the Dharma piece, is that lifestyle is the greatest healer. Lifestyle is where you're going to really find your freedom, and I found that to be true in the basketball and also in my spiritual lifestyle, so structure is huge, and, and I think healthy structure is going through the process of learning about rigidity and learning about apathy and finding that place in the middle. Does anybody have any thoughts on uh, structure in their lives, how structure has supported you in your recovery journey, in your life, uh, a life of purpose, a life of vision? Uh, feel free to leave a comment um, and I'd be happy to hear from you. So... Then from there, um, some of the other things I've found to be really beneficial is um, being open with your journey. And this is where recovery circles are really helpful. This is where the Truth Seekers Union that we started. And if you don't know about Truth Seekers Union and you're catching this on YouTube, I'll just bring it up on the screen there. uh, www.truthseekersunion.ca and That's where you can become a member and we meet on Wednesday nights and we have uh, discussions about spiritual topics, about social justice issues, about uh, creating and cultivating vision in your life. About relationships, about communication, about so many different things. And uh, it's a very uh, inspiring community, supportive community. And uh, I find that it's really important to do that. If it's not within your means to uh, become a member right now of the True Seekers Union, There's also the option to join our recovery circles that happen on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time. They're on Zoom. Uh, You can get the Zoom link by going to my Instagram page and catching it there. I can also put the Zoom link in the show notes below uh, if you're watching on YouTube, and I'll also do the same for the podcast. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) I've got to have a sip of water here, I guess. Yeah, but that being open about your journey, wow, that took me a long time to get there. I think it's a pilgrimage. It's a process. Um, and if you're able to do it right out of the gate, that's amazing. Uh, for me, I felt a lot of shame around uh, my addiction. And when I started to explore yoga a little more deeply and started to teach a little yoga, teach a little meditation and to study it academically, um, and we'll go into academics next, Um, I didn't want people to know about my past because I felt like I had to like prove that what I was sharing was valuable, that what I was sharing uh, was coming from somebody who was qualified. And this is the, you know, the toxic effects of the patriarchy coming through, like you have to have the credentials. And if you don't have the credentials, then your experience is invalid. It's such BS. But, you know, (laughs) we all go through that. And uh, I've learned over time that experience is the greatest teacher and that openness, uh, having the courage to be vulnerable and share your story, ha- there's great medicine in that. And it encourages other people to do the same. And and actually like a, a yoga teacher or a meditation teacher or a coach or a counselor or whatever it might be. Um, I think that openness I and I feel and I know that openness really uh, openness and experience are more important than academic credentials hundred percent you know if I was to talk to somebody about alcoholism who hadn't spent most of their life struggling with alcoholism they could tell me all of the things they, they read in the book they could probably give me some cool tips but if they hadn't experienced what it's like to you know, really suffer from the addiction to alcohol, it would be hard for us to connect. Not because I don't want to, uh, but because it's like we're not speaking the same language. Does that make sense? I don't know. Let me know if if that makes sense for you. It definitely makes sense for me and the mentors that I have and the counselors that I have. We have a shared uh, experience. And I'm always open for uh, another perspective too. It's not that I wouldn't go unless they had a similar experience that's just naturally how it's unfolded so sharing your story openly i found to be really beneficial and that's why we've created true seekers union and that's why we have our recovery circles and that's why we do these podcasts and also wanted to let you all know that uh, we're going to start doing a interview format on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Have some guests on here and just talk about their journey um, and from different walks of life, whether it's from Sikhi or from yoga or from music or from other healing modalities, psychology, Buddhism, meditation and mindfulness, creativity, lots of topics. So looking forward to uh, adding that to our YouTube channel. Uh, channel and to adding that to the podcast platform as well so please do check that out I said I was going to say academics yeah academics has been helpful too it's like I said everything has a blessing and a curse everything has a positive and a negative and the the challenge of academia is is that if you get too connected to the head you may disconnect from the heart And, you know, you may know all of the history uh, of the spiritual tradition that you practice. You may know how to speak the language, but you've disconnected from the, maybe the experience of like loving or devotion or being kind or, you know, and and this happens. People get really heady about their practice. I know because I've done it. And then they get wrapped up in uh, what is meant to be a spiritual practice becomes a need to be right practice and a need to be right practice creates a lot of harm in the in the world and a lot of suffering in ourselves but as i said there's also the other side of it the positive side and and that's where it's like a lot of the spiritual knowledge that I have uh, has supported me in my liberation. You know, like knowing the Bhagavad Gita, knowing the teachings of the Buddha, knowing um, the stories of the 10 gurus from Punjab, uh, knowing indigenous stories and legends, knowing um, the stories that I learned as a kid from the Bible, uh, knowing, you know, any anything that is comes from some spiritual tradition whether it's your blood ancestors or your spiritual ancestors is beneficial because there's inside of those stories there are life lessons that can support you in your journey you can see yourself in the story so knowing the stories is beneficial being able to draw the stories forward and and speak them in a way that is makes sense to someone who you know who's struggling is beneficial But lording that over someone like I know more than you do is not beneficial. You see that's where the intellect it plays the trick um, Or learning uh, the language of the of the tradition that is meaningful to you, you know I've been uh, studying Gurmukhi for years and uh, learning Punjabi uh, Lately, and I've found that to be very beneficial um but it, it's keeping in mind that why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing it because I want to have a deeper experience of my devotional practice. I want to be able to connect with my elders. And actually, it's really good for your brain, especially people who are interested in meditation and you think, well, I don't want to just sit there and be quiet. Uh, Learn another language or make art. Like my uh, friend, Victoria Leader, who's on the chat there is an incredible artist. Check out her page. Uh, Make art. Do something with your brain that requires a lot of focus. You know, like when I'm studying a language, it's very challenging for me to think about You know, my problems, my shortcomings, my addiction, or whatever it might be. I'm really focused in on, like, how do you say I speak a little bit of Punjabi? Which is, menu tori tori, Punjabi on dihe. See, even then, I had to really focus. I can't think about what I'm going to say next. So there's a meditative component to that, aside from the history and where it comes from. So it's a great way to use your brain. Same as learning to play a musical instrument. When I was in the treatment center 20 years ago, that's when I picked up a guitar for the first time and really learned to play it. And then over this COVID time, when I was really under the pressure of uh, the lockdown and all of the challenges that I've shared pretty openly, uh, my guitar and my ukulele have been a godsend, singing, playing, screaming, you know, like just letting it out through music, uh, playing, playing music with my partner or our downstairs neighbor, we live in the same house. So in the lockdown, we were able to connect and we like made a band and that's been so beneficial in, in my recovery because there's so much healing in the music. And I play all kinds of music, cowboy songs, hardcore songs on the ukulele that m- makes things interesting, uh, kirtan, like all, all sorts of sounds, you know, and uh, that's going to support you in your recovery. Like, these are all tips that can help you and even around the structure that I was saying like the structure portion um, when I was really into the hatha yoga one of the great things about the structure was doing this set morning practice every day and following a structure in my diet where like I would just have a smoothie in the morning eat a big vegan meal at lunch and then eat really light in the evening and not eat past 6 p.m and I go back to that when I'm feeling out of whack, and I'm not, um, like I'm having a difficult time with depression, or I'm feeling tempted by my addiction, or, you know, things are just really challenging, I'm reminded to go back to a a structure that supports me, and and just doing it for a little while, even like a week of getting, you know, realigning, that uh, supports me in my recovery, and then I'm not overeating. I'm not emotionally eating. I'm eating foods that are really uh, g- good for me and my body, and f- and living foods and growing sprouts. And y'all have heard me talk about sprouts, right? So these are some of the uh, structured things that I've uh, that I've done. Also, uh, reading books that inspire you. Or Like having you know making altars in your home and putting uh, things in your home that Remind you of who you are and and what inspires you Anik uh, nice to see you. Are you in Costa Rica? Um, how's everything going? Let me know drop a comment there Um yeah, so those are some of the things that I've done. O- or getting up early in the morning and going for a walk. Uh, or getting on to a, uh, an app on your phone. Oh, oh, you're in Mexico. Nice. My mom's in Mexico right now. Everything's going well there. Yeah, I love to get back down to Mexico in the sun. Uh, so that's been really helpful. Having a mentor. Having a mentor, Huge. Um, I've been connected to Guru Singh for years as a mentor. I have another mentor whose name is Kamal Roop. Y'all can check him out on Instagram, Kamal Roop Singh. He's in Nahang and has a PhD. Um, He knows a lot about the Dasam Grant And he has a great new podcast uh, interview on ramblings of a Sikh or ramblings of a Sikh where he talks about the Dasam Grant and really explains um, Sikhi and the Nahang tradition. So if anybody feels called to that path, uh, check that out. He's been an incredible influence in my life. Um, I've also been very deeply connected to Jai Dave Singh, Kundalini Yoga teacher, um, and then I've mentored for a lot of people, you know, whether they're seeking counseling for addiction or spiritual counseling or support in yoga teaching or whatever it might be. And I've found that to be really beneficial. And some people I've been working for for with year for, and some people I've been working with for years and you know that's a great way uh, of uh, being supported and it's a great way of practicing being open and sharing what's going on with you and we even do like an online digital um, workbook where we can both write in it from both ends like I can write in it and you can write back and it's it's more dynamic than email Um, I found that to be uh, really beneficial um, so these are some of the things that have really supported me along the way. Um, oh, uh, listening to podcasts, like the podcast that you're listening to right now. Um, refining your social media platforms so that all of the people that you're following following on social media are really elevating and inspiring you on your path. Uh, that's a huge one. Um, these are all uh, the... some. These are all of the practices that have really helped me. Um, I, I, kundalini yoga, like when I started doing Kundalini yoga, it was really beneficial because I was in a place with my hatha yoga practice where I could do a lot of postures, you know, leg behind the head, stand on my hands, put my legs in lotus, do the splits, all this stuff. And I got seriously uh, injured. And it was an old injury from basketball, and it hadn't surfaced for a long time. And I got uh, seriously injured, and it scared me. Um, And, you know, I didn't know, like, is this, like, good for me? Should I be doing this? Like, what if I can't walk from doing this? Like, a lot of stuff started turning in my mind. And so I did take a step back. And it was around this time, too, where I was, like, kind of burning the candle at both ends with... Uh, like drinking a lot DJing a lot partying a lot but as long as I do my physical yoga exercises and keep my body tuned then it's okay and uh, that that wasn't sustainable for me and the injury that came as a form of teaching where it was like hey why are you doing this like are you doing this to cure a hangover are you doing this to look good Um, are you doing this to just be physically fit and really that's not why i was doing it and i think that's why the injury surfaced and that's where i started to explore and by the way i still practice hatha yoga i did it this morning but the intention behind it shifted from just like i said with the intellect the practice of being right it shifted from a practice of looking good and and having external validation of like ta da, look what i can do to like maintaining uh, strength and flexibility in the body, connecting with my breath, really listening to what my body needs, which ultimately is, you know, the most important thing is keeping this healthy relationship with the organism that we live our life in and taking time every day to really listen to what it needs. And so, you know, when I started practicing Kundalini Yoga, it, it allowed me to practice some things that, didn't require the same kind of gymnastics, it required a different kind of determination. Holding my arms up, doing a lot of pranayams, uh, breath work, and um, chanting a lot of mantras, and that's where what really opened my, my mind to Sikhi. And another, uh, practice that I've done is the, uh, a form of meditation is getting tattooed. As some of y'all can see here, I've got tattoos here and on my, on my chest and down this arm and on my knuckles, <laughs> stay true and, uh, my hands and, um, Yeah, and and sitting to get tattooed has also been a part of uh, a meditative practice where it is unpleasant to get tattooed, Um, but each and every one of my tattoos is a part of my story, it's a part of my recovery journey, and I can look at the tattoos and I can remember what I learned during that time, and uh, I'm really thankful I'm also thankful that I didn't start getting tattooed till I was in my 30s because if I would have started getting tattooed when I was uh wanted to get tattooed which was when I was 16 and I was too much of a uh what I was gonna say shithead but I don't know if am I can I say that (laughs) I could go back and beat myself out I think I can say that um anyways uh, to, like, save any money and get it done. So I didn't start getting tattooed when, until I was 30s. But, I, I mean, that's part of my uh, dharma, right? It's like I look at my tattoos, I remember the healing process, and um, it's been really helpful. Um, I put a post on Instagram today when I was talking about... <laughs> some Anika on Instagram saying, I got a lot of tattoos when I was a 16-year-old shithead. Ha-ha. <laughs> that's amazing. And I hope that they support you. Um, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, you know, I, I'm really thankful that the tattoos that I have really remind me of my recovery journey, each and every one of them. And I plan to continue getting tattooed and the sitting for the tattoo is also part of the steadiness. And I have all kinds of mental drama around like you have to remove hair to get a tattoo and does that make you a bad Sikh and na-na-na-na-na. But you know what? I'm I'm doing my best to, I'm not walking this spiritual path that I'm on right now um, because I, I think someday that I'm going to be perfect at it. I'm doing my best and the reason I'm doing my best is that I found freedom in it and I found freedom with my guru and i know that my efforts are good enough and that i'm good enough and that i have access to the divine loving awareness and that there are like i'm saying today there are these aspects of my life this steadiness that bring me into that state of freedom and if something is causing a disturbance for me and disconnecting me and moving me into the realm of the intellect where i need to be right or moving me into the realm of i have to look good uh, for somebody or i'm just not interested in that and i've i've never been afraid to reinvent myself I read a quote this week from David Bowie that I loved, where he said he's reinvented himself so many times as an artist that he's in denial as to whether he was originally a Korean, an overweight Korean woman. <laughs> That's what he said. I'd never read that quote before, but I can relate. You know, I'm very passionate about. Um, The things that I practice in my life and the freedom and the levity that they bring me, whether they are popular or not, whether I'm doing them correctly or not. I'm respectful, and that's some of the beauty of spending time with the Nahung Sings that I know, is that you know, when I've been really in my head, like, am I allowed to do this? Is this okay? And somebody like chastised me on social media and I just don't know, you know, because like I was so punk rock as a youth that I was like, F at all. And that F at all, just like I said, everything has a positive and a negative. That F at all helped me in a lot of ways, but also hurt me in a lot of ways. And when I found something that I really revere, this spiritual path, I've tried to be respectful, but I've also lost some of that edginess. I mean, obviously it's relative and many people that I know would say that I still have that edginess. Um, but I've had mentors who say like, just be, just be to be. That's what they say. Just be to be, and don't worry about it. Just do the things that bring you into the levity, and and that's the thing. It's like tying a turban every day. It really makes it really keeps me focused on the work that I'm doing, on my recovery and my spiritual work, in standing out in a society and saying that I stand for love and I stand for justice. And it, it, it I feel great. It makes me feel really good. So I do it you know, and I haven't uh, received Umrit in my life and become a baptized sick, and I don't know if that's going to happen, but I trust that, you know, the healing I've experienced on this path, that I'll just continue to be guided by really listening, and that's the ultimate, uh, yeah, edgy without the teenage angst, for sure, that's me, (laughs) Ed, Ed, that angsty teenager is in there somewhere, too, and I'm doing my best to love and to nurture them. Um, and structure tends to work quite well for them. And then some, when they're getting really, like, pissy, uh, I just put on some of my favorite hardcore songs and scream along, and uh, it makes them happy. Um Yeah, so, you know, it's like learning the Gurmukhi, learning the history, doing the chants, um, tying my dastar, growing uh, my beard, doing the things that make me, that connect me to Guru. And then just trusting that the rest will be taken care of and not getting so like, oh, I have to do this. And, you know, one one thing that my mentor, Kamal Roop Singh, said to me, and I've shared it with some of uh, you, is that pace is essential. And, you don't, it's a journey, you don't start and go like here like you know they have like a Barbie or an action figure it's like um, you know like spiritually realized Barbie and then she has like a she has like a, a turban and she knows all of the gurmukhi and she's a master of martial arts and and she's on day 1 right out of the package It doesn't work like that it's a unfolding. It's a becoming. It's a, just like recovery. It's like, how many people do I talk to in recovery who want to have the experience of what it's like to be sober for one year, three years, five years, and they want it in the first month? The first few years of recovery are so confusing. <laughs> it's like, you're for me, I'm like, I'm eating crap. I'm fighting, white-knuckling like crazy to stay sober. I'm latching on to a spiritual practice and just being like a rigid prick because I'm afraid of what will happen if I relax a little bit and to be honest I almost think that you have to go through that in order to like find your ground you know think about like learning to do something like surfing you know, I remember going to uh, Nicaragua for the first time with some friends, and we go to Nicaragua. And on the way there, all of these uh, pals that I'm with are like, oh, "I can't wait to get to Nicaragua. I haven't surfed in so long, and I love surfing." And they've got surf magazines and they've got surf boards, and I'm thinking. Wow, I'm really in over my head here. I've tried surfing twice, and I think I stood up twice and i don't <laughs> I don't know what the heck I'm who are these guys? And then you know the brilliant thing is is that we get out to we paddle out to surf, and it's like they're as bad as I am you know they they're terrible and, and and it's hilarious to me and I'm like oh phew. a sigh of relief and then you know the guy who's living in the shack behind the uh, my friend's house who's like Hitchhiked down there from california in the 1980s and he's like living in a shack with his dog sees so we're and he comes down there and he surfs the whole horizon on one wave like golden glistening god and then just like pops off his board and like swims in and goes back and gives us a wave and i'm like yo guys that was surfing <laughs> and it's sort of like you can look at that and be like i want that now while you're in the water. I want that now. That's what I want. That's why I'm here. And the reality reality is is in order to have that, to be able to go with the elements. Yeah, there's dangerous things in the water. Yeah, you could drown. Yeah, your, you know, your body is aging. Yeah, you, there's all of these factors. And if you practice, those factors are not such a big deal. And if you practice for a long time, then all of those um, things that are in opposition to you become, some of them are there to support you and others that you don't worry about them so much. But in order to do that, it, it comes through experience. And experience is teaching you how to ride the wave. And in the sake of this particular analogy, ride the wave of your life, ride the wave of your purpose. And at first, you know, like my friends out there on the water, it's like you're fighting like hell and you're not to catch the wave and you're cutting people off. And you're, um, you know, you're sore the the next day and you've got a rash because you didn't wear the right apparel or whatever, you know, to keep with the surf analogy. But over time you get wise. And you watch some of the people who can really ride the waves and you ask questions and you don't copy their style exactly. But by observing their style, you start to see who you are in relationship to your practice. And that's what I found to be true It's like there is no instant gratification you don't show up with all the tools and you know you may have like my friends going down you may have the surf magazines you may have the haircut you may have the outfit you may have the lingo you may have but that doesn't mean that you can surf riding the waves of an evolutionary dharma yeah beautiful choice of words thank you y'all hear that riding the waves of an evolutionary dharma you know you can show up with the outfit But you're still going to have to learn what that outfit is all about. And maybe having the outfit will help you. Maybe it will inspire you. I'm not knocking that. I'm saying, though, that the outfit, the external, is not the, the depth of experience. The external, it may support you in that. It may not. That depends on you. Does that make sense? You know? It depends on you, and if you really start doing the work, however you get there, whether it's, like, my friends, you know, down there in Costa Rica, who got all the stuff, and so, some of them stayed down there and have become good surfers over time, and others didn't, you know, and, and some people don't have, don't, they don't need an outfit, you know, I love when you see somebody who's, like, you go to the basketball court, and there's, like, some old guy with, like, worn-out shoes, and, and he's just, like, looks... Like he's just like cleaning his garage out, you know, he's got terrible sneakers on He's a little bit overweight and you think oh god, i'm gonna have to play with this guy He ends up on your team and then he scores like most of the points in the game. I love when that happens It's so awesome you know, so I guess what i'm getting at here is that it's but we try to say like oh well you the the outfit isn't necessary. Well, we don't really know It's up to you but but the depth of the experience, whether you want to be effective in recovery or you want to experience spi- spiritual liberation or you want to change your life or you want to you know change your career or you want to step more into your purpose, you may do some things on the outside that support the inside, but just doing the things on the outside, it won't it won't really work, you know. But it's not one or the other. It's really about learning to listen to yourself learning to listen to what is my calling in this life and then how can i go about doing it and then falling down and you know falling off and stumbling and changing and redirecting and getting hurt and hurting others and all of that stuff is and and then while you're doing it learning the things that really work like learning where to place your feet on the board, oh, you get, if somebody gives you a little tip, like, um, my mom's uh, partner, he, he's a really good golfer, and I'm not, like, a huge golfer or anything, it's really expensive, and it's not great for the earth, but, you know, if it inspires people to get outside and take care of plants, maybe there's something good there in it, but there's some, you know, lame culture around it but let's stay focused on the positive it is a a great game of concentration and technique and so i was out there uh, for the sake of this analogy i was out there with him one day and every time i'd hit the ball it would go off to the right what do you call that a slice (laughs) anybody know about golf (laughs) something like that or like a hook or it wouldn't go straight right And like I tried changing things based on my own experience. I tried fixing the external. Like I tried trying a different club and I tried breathing and I tried changing my focus and I tried everything that I could that was at my disposal. And uh, he said, are you open to a tip? And I said, yeah, sure. Anything. I would just love to be able to hit the ball straight. Plus, probably you're tired of me digging around the tree, trying trees, trying to find my ball. And so he said, Why don't you take your back foot and change the angle of your back foot slightly? Just turn it towards the back a little bit. Just change the angle, about 10 degrees. And I was like, yeah, what's that going to do? You know, like the doubter. This is the doubt part. Yeah, like, yeah, changing my back foot just 10 degrees, turning it away from the ball. That doesn't make any sense. Like, it feels weird and all the story. And sure enough, I hit the ball straight down. Whoa. I wasn't able to see that on my own, but somebody observing me who has experience was able to give me that insight. That's the mentor piece, right? It's like, you know the answer. Your body has the capacity to do the thing, but based on your own experience, you may need a little tip along the way. You know, not do it for you. He couldn't do it for me. You know, oh, could you just play this round for me? No, that's not what we're talking about here. And that's sort of, how I look at recovery, and these are some of the things that have been beneficial to me, um, anybody out there feel that, anybody out there, uh, resonate with those analogies, lots of, uh, sporting analogies today, so, you know, surfing, and golf, and, uh, you know, basketball, and these are things that are meaningful to me, um, but, I mean, there's so many ways to look at this because these are analogies for life. And and it really does speak to, as D. Cor, uh, uh earlier mentioned in the chat on the Instagram, that uh, spiritual lifestyle is really important. And the way that you practice a spiritual lifestyle, it's like you you know how to do that. And you may try on some different outfits and you may try on some different practices. And as you do that, you'll start to... There's an an inner guide, the guru within you, the inner guide, the inner knower is going to start to reveal as you uh, get some legs underneath you and some momentum and some endurance in your commitment to walking in that way, you'll start to see like there are these through lines of truth. These uh, structures, these systems, these experiences of devotion, where you see like, oh, that makes sense. And then the beauty of it, as you get that experience underneath you, is you can ex- you can inspire other people to live in that way without saying you have to do it the same way that I did. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm saying structure, okay, what does structure look like? What could be unique to uh, different people? Devotion, what does that look like? Oh, it could be unique to different people. Pace, what you know? Looking at these systems that uh, have been beneficial and how you can gain an experience of who you are so that you can amplify and elevate the medicines that have been Uh, important to you that are a part of your experience and your journey and they're going to be unique and when we relate to it from that place where experience is the teacher there's the wisdom of tolerance the wisdom of compassion the ability to recognize that we don't have to share the same practice but if i really see you and i really hear you i can see the similarities and celebrate the uniqueness between us like what appears to be different celebrate the uniqueness but you know for me to do that i've had to uh commit to some of the areas of my life that require some time to experience that which is uh, spiritual dharma and a recovery lifestyle you know and then as i mentioned there's an intellectual component there's a creative component writing songs playing guitar making cool content on the internet whatever it is that you do but these things are interconnected, and it's a holistic, integrated lifestyle, and it's a journey. It's a journey, uh, a pilgrimage to the shrine at the temple within you, and you may get some tips along the way from a spir- from a, a religion or or not, uh, from an atheist teacher or a. Uh, someone from a different religion than you practice or from a mentor or from a person in recovery or from a loved one or, you know, or you may get the opposite. Like you may have faced obligation from loved ones like parents or or coaches or people who say like oh yeah you can't do that you're not going to be able to do that you're going to fail or you shouldn't do that because you're from this culture or whatever it is and uh, even those oppositions um, are opportunities for you to step more fully into your purpose in reality but in order to hear that and and keep going there we need um I think anyways, and feel and have experienced some structure in our life that keeps us zoned in on like, what am I here to do? Who am I in relationship uh, to this opposition? And then with that kind of awareness, that opposition, and it might not happen in the moment, it may take time, but that opposition can start to transmute into resilience, can transmute into bravery, courage, can transmute into opportunities for service. So I hope you enjoyed the episode today, and I hope that uh, you feel inspired in some way to um, carry on with whatever it is that inspires you and your recovery journey, your recovery path, your spiritual awakening, your healing path, your holistic health journey, whatever it might be. Um, Just as we come to a close here, if you have any uh, closing thoughts, comments, or questions, please let me know. Um, True Seekers Union I'll just pop that up on the screen for those of you watching on YouTube we are going live tonight 7 p.m. this month we're talking about vision so if you're feeling like you know you could use a little inspiration in the realm of purpose and vision sign up for True Seekers Union you know the the minimum membership is 19 bucks a month Canadian that's less than five dollars a call per week And uh, there's breakout rooms, small groups, there's new material every week. So, you know, please do check it out. Join us tonight. Just go to TrueSeekersUnion.ca to join. Uh, Ilana Steele says, thank you, beautiful talk. Thank you so much. I'm glad you were here. Uh, It's an honor to be able to share with you all. And if you would like to uh, do some one-on-one counseling, uh, I definitely have space for that. Remember that this work that I do is um, I don't have another job. I don't, you know, I'm not a lawyer or I'm not a doctor or I'm not a postman or a sales clerk or anything. This is the work that I do. And so if you appreciate the work that I do and it could support you in some way, please do uh, join the True Seekers Union or sign up for one-on-one counseling so I can continue to do this work or just make a donation. You know, there's been people who have done that over COVID. I know it seems kind of strange to talk about uh, money, especially around spiritual work, but I want to be able to continue to do this work for you all. And we've really had to pivot hard because of what happened with Dharma Temple. So please do check it out. And uh, I, I, it really means a lot all of the support. And I recognize that there are times in our lives where we're not not able to do that. And you can support me in other ways by sharing the podcast, by tuning in on Instagram, by sharing my posts, by sharing these in, uh, YouTube videos, by subscribing, by writing reviews, um, and or you know reaching out and asking what can i do to to support i know some of you have done that i really appreciate it um and i really appreciate the work that y'all are doing you know every one of you my beautiful sponsors minds die uh shakti jewelry on board seed apparel maybe you have a business that would like to support uh, these podcasts or these episodes that's also an option um Yeah. So that's it for today. The recovery circle happens on Monday night, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Anyone can join. And we're going to start doing the live interviews on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. So just stay tuned to the social media page there. Also, just getting into Clubhouse. Anybody watch or listen to not watch anybody listen to Clubhouse was thinking about starting some rooms and talks on Clubhouse. So if that's something that speaks to you, please do let me know. And uh, yeah, if this is the first time checking out my recovery journey, uh, go to youtube.com backslash Tiago Prem Singh and you can become uh, a subscriber there and you can go back and watch the previous five episodes. It's cool when you watch my YouTube journey because you see like the filming gets better and better and better. Like it starts to look better and sound better as I learn more and more. So thanks for being a part of that journey with me. And uh, I really appreciate that. I love making these videos um i think that's it for now so uh thanks for being here and we'll see you next week on my recovery journey this is tiago prem singh signing off